Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Let's go what we're talking about. We're talking about the great exchange. Uh, when I was, and even recently, uh, we used to do these things around Christmas time. I hope this is not an offensive phrase. I, I tried to look it up to make sure I'm not, if it's offensive, I'm not trying to be. But we used to do these, these gift exchanges called white elephant gift exchanges. I'm not sure where the white elephant came from. I don't know what that means. If that's derogatory in someone's culture, please let me know after service and I will never say it again. But do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been a part of that? Maybe you call it a gag gift, something like that, where you would give instructions, hey, we're going to have a Christmas party and everyone is supposed to spend usually five to eight dollars. You bring a gift that's worth five to eight dollars is wrapped up. You exchange it. You don't know who's going to get it. You don't know what you're going to get, but everyone exchanges gifts they're supposed to be between five and eight dollars and can I tell you I believe without exception every time I have participated in one of these it seems like every year someone shows up having spent 45 dollars on a gift have you ever been there and every year I'll try to usually I'm in charge of the party or whatever every year I'll tell them you know listen you're only supposed to spend eight dollars and their response is always the same I just couldn't find anything nice for $8. Well, it's not supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be $5 to $8. But you go home. Somebody goes home having brought a $5 gift, going home with a $45 gift. It's really great for somebody. It really stinks for somebody else. Well, this morning, can I tell you, I want to talk about the great exchange that God is wanting to make with you. You and I have been in invited to participate in a great exchange with the Lord. Now, when I was a kid, and if you know this song, that simply means you're experienced or old, one or the other. But when I was a kid, we used to sing this song in church. I don't want, this is not a request, Megan, but we used to sing this song in church that said, I gave him my old tattered garment and he gave me a robe of pure white. Does anybody remember that old song we sing in church? What is that song talking about? The great exchange where we are, we are putting off our, our old life, our filth, our unrighteousness, and we're taking on to ourselves something better than we could ever produce in ourselves. Can I tell you, that is a picture of the gospel. It's a great exchange where we're taking le- all of us off, all of our past, and we're putting on a brand new future. I want to talk to you about that this morning. Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verse number 6, which kind of is in the territory we covered last week. Then we're going to skip down to the new territory, verse 12. Verse 6 says, just, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's the beginning of this exchange we're talking about. Then verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way death came to all men. Because all sinned. For before the law was given. Sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account. Where there is no law. Nevertheless death reigned. From the time of Adam. To the time of Moses. Even over those who did not sin. By breaking a command. Um, as did Adam. Who was a pattern for the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that come 
by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, flow to the many. Verse 16, again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment that followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many was made righteous. Father, I pray that this morning we would listen to the word And that we would make a great exchange with you. We would exchange our past life for your new life. We would exchange our sinfulness for your forgiveness. We would exchange our brokenness for your your restoration. We would exchange our sickness for the health that can only be found in you. I pray all of us today, whether we are ardent, faithful followers of Jesus, or whether we have never really understood the love of Jesus, that all of us would exchange who we are for what you have for us in a greater way than ever before. Help me to preach what you want to preach. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. And do all of that by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. Romans 5 tells us about the entrance point of sin into our world. We're reminded, I'm not sure if you caught, the reason I read all that text was I was hoping you'd pick up how over and over again Paul uses the terminology. He says, just as one man's uh, injustice brought, or one man's sin brought death, so one man's sin brought life. It, it, it uses that phrase, one man did this, another man did that. Here's the, here's the message in a nutshell today. Everything that you and I have done When it comes to sin and injustice and and mistakes, can I tell you, Jesus is ready to do something greater in your place today. It's the greatest change he wants to make in your life. Jesus came to exchange what is broken in our world and provide healing and help in return. But I want you to understand this this morning, that this greatest change, it is the mission of Jesus. Sometimes I think we forget what the mission of Jesus is. I'm not sure. It seems like more people I talk to, the more different uh, variations or definitions that I hear of what Jesus' mission is. Some people think that his mission was to make the world a happier place. Jesus' mission was to make you a better version of yourself than you are. Which sounds good, but it's not true, right? He didn't, he didn't come to make you a better version. He came to 
totally transform you. If any man be in Christ, he is not a better version of himself. If any man is in Christ, he's what? He's a brand new creature. All the old is gone. Everything else is brand new. Jesus did not come to make your life better. He came to make you a brand new person whose home is heaven, whose future is secured, whose life is empowered by a better thing that has ever been empowered for is empowered by the Spirit of God. That's the mission of Jesus. It says, while we were powerless, Christ died for us. That's what verse 6 says. Do we understand that when it comes to producing our own right standing with God, we are powerless? Have you picked up on that? We don't have that ability. We have nothing to offer. If this was a financial problem, it would be like broke people trying to help broke people. How many know if you're broke, you can't help someone else who's broke? And if you're broke, people who are broke can't take you. And by the way, if you're broke, don't take advice from broke people. That's just, that's not my notes. That's just, it's a, Pastor, what do you mean? While we were powerless, it's like one picture of a, it's like a picture of a drowning person trying to help another drowning person. What happens? They both drown. Because we're powerless in ourselves. So Jesus came to do what we could not do. Your salvation which simply means your right standing with God is not based on anything you could do. No, your right standing with God is a result of the mission of Jesus who came to seek and save what was lost. That those who are far from God can be made near to God. And all of us at one time were far from God, but praise the Lord today that can change. And all of us who are far from God can be made near to God. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, before Jesus even stepped on the scene of earth, the angel told Mary, you will name him Jesus. And then the angel snuck in the mission. For he will save his people from his sins, from their sins. That's why Jesus is here, to save us from our sins, from the announcement of his birth. That, his mission was met. And so I just want to tell you this morning, if you've ever felt less than important, less than desired, less than salvageable, if you ever thought my life is not worth saving, my life cannot be healed, my life cannot be turned around, there is no hope for me, there is, no, there is nowhere else for me to go, can I tell you that is not true this morning? Jesus came to seek and to save, that was lost. He gave his life for those who were hopeless. So if you feel like this morning your life is hopeless, I came to tell you, your life is hopelessly destined to success if you'll give it to Jesus today. That's his mission. That's why he came. That's the first thing we have to realize. We have to realize the mission of Jesus. Number two, we have to realize our own personal need for a Savior. Verse 12 says, Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to... What does that word say? Some people. All people. One act of sin corrupted humanity. You know what Adam's name means? The name Adam means humanity or mankind. So whenever you read that Adam sinned, you could read it this way, humanity sinned. 
When Paul says in Romans 3 and 23, we talked about a few weeks ago, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, listen, there, there's kind of a, this is almost a mute point because I think we're all honest enough to say we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But even if you had not fallen short of the glory of God, even if you didn't miss the mark on your own, just the fact that, uh, that we are part of humanity, Adam brought upon humanity this curse of sin, that we are all sinful even if it wasn't by an act of our own commission. We're still marked sinners because we're connected to Adam. We all have a common sin problem that only we can fix. And to make matters worse, this sin problem was generational. That's why David, who we know is a man after God's own heart, said in Psalms 51, surely I was sinful at my birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David understood there is this inherited nature that resided inside of him. And I'm thankful that David included this scripture because, after all, he, he is the guy that the Word says he's is a man after God's own heart. I'm thankful that even though we were birthed in sin and we have a nature that is sin-filled, I'm thankful God can redeem our sin nature and we can be called people after God's own heart. No matter how we start in this life, He has the power to redeem our lives. But we have to understand... This is where we all started. We need a change. The Apostle Paul said it like this. I know you never feel this way, but I do. The Apostle Paul says, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. Remember that huge discourse? I mean, if you just read what Paul said real fast, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. I say I'm not going to do it. I find myself doing it again. And then he says, oh, what a wretched man I am. What's Paul saying? He says, I've got this thing inside of me you know when there was a when, when there's a plague or an epidemic going on in the world you know when, when covid hit the world three years ago now i guess everyone wanted to know where did it start and i was kind of the school of what does it matter <laughs> but we all wanted to know where did it start well, the Bible tells us where this epidemic of sin started. It started with Adam, and now it affects it all. It affects us all. It spreads from person to person, from humanity to humanity. But it also lets me remember, and this, this is so important, it helps me remember that personal trouble is not always the result of personal sin. You might want to write that down. Personal trouble is not always the result of personal sin. There's a lot of people that will say, well, if there's something wrong with you, it's because you did something wrong. And here's what I would just challenge you to do. Buy the best tennis shoes you can find and run away from that person. Okay? Can, can trouble in our life be of our own causing? Absolutely. Is the law of sowing and reaping, is that a biblical principle that still operates today? Yes. Absolutely. But the word also says that time and chance comes to us all. That we are living in a, in a broken world. So trouble is not just the result of something I did wrong one day. But it's a description of 
the world we live in, didn't Jesus even say, in this life, you're going to have trouble? But take courage, for I've overcome. We have to realize the, the scope of sin is generational. We have to realize, and I don't want to glorify sin, but we, have to, we do have to realize the power of sin. Look at verse number 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Sin was reigning. Sin was ruling. There's an old adage about the power of sin. It says it will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. That's the power of sin. And it's a, it's a spiral. King David found himself in a spiral of sin where he went from just a stay-at-home king to an adulterer and a murderer and conspirator to a denier of his own sin, a cover-up. And it all started just by staying home. When kings were meant to go to war, he stayed at home. And Romans 14 also, I know some of you thinking, Pastor, I wish you'd just get off this sin thing. Well, as soon as the Bible gets off of it, I'll get off of it. But here we go. And it's still going there, all right? It, it says in verse number 14 that, that when death was reigning, that men were guilty even though there was no law to define it. Which is really interesting to me. I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. There are some people that think if we would just not call things a sin, it would cease to be sinful. And the results of that sin would no longer touch us. But Paul says from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, there were no Ten Commandments, right? This is like 1,400 years where there was no law. There was no thou shalt nots. The only law that had been given was, there's a tree, don't eat of it. That was the only law. But yet, men had the law of God in their consciousness and they disobeyed that. Anyway, all that to say this, the plight of humanity is this, we need a Savior. And Jesus came to be that Savior for us. Which brings me to my third point this morning. I want to just simply ask you today to make the great exchange. The mission of Jesus, everything you've read about Him, heard about Him, he left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial, sacrificial death, rose again on the third day, forever sits at the right hand of the Father, so make an intercession for you and I. He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, impact our lives, lead us along life's journey. All of that was because he had a mission of making an exchange for us. Our lostness in exchange for his salvation. And listen to this exchange in verse number 15. But his gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that comes from the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now, a few moments ago, I made the statement how when one man sinned, we all became sinners. And at least one person in the room, I'm sure, to themselves thought this, that doesn't sound fair. Can I tell you what the fair is? The fair is that thing that's over there in Lone Oak this week. It's one week a year. That's what the fair is, okay? That's the only time it comes in life. All right? That's what fair is. You may think, well, that doesn't sound fair that the sin issue of someone else affects my life. 
But here's the good news. Since we inherited sin, we can inherit something better through Jesus. Since sin was imputed to us because of the sin of Adam, can I tell you, our righteousness can be imputed to us because of the grace of Jesus. Because we have been saddled with the condemnation of someone else's sin, we can also be liberated by the freedom of another man's righteousness, and that man is Jesus. See, our helplessness qualifies us to be helped by Jesus if we will allow him to make that exchange with us. Well, pastor, what do I need to exchange? I want to give you these three or four things, and I'm going to... Let you go home. You can exchange your sin for God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2 said it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's an exchange. Not of yourselves. Our, our salvation is received not by earning. It's received by exchanging. We exchange what is sinful of ourselves to what is righteous of God. Have you ever been given something that was of such great a value you felt like you needed a disclaimer? Like you felt obligated to sell someone that this isn't really of me, or this isn't mine, this is actually someone else's because you know I couldn't, I couldn't afford this of my own, I couldn't earn this of my own. I'll never forget about 100 years ago, which actually more like 15 or 20 Megan and I, were, we were visiting a friend of ours, and uh, they were house-sitting for their employer who owned this, I, I don't know, multi-million dollar home probably, and that's back when a million dollars was a, was a lot of money, you know, before inflation. It's this huge, wonderful home, and it overlooked the 18th tee on this prestigious golf course. And so it's a Saturday evening, this person invited us over for dinner, and Meek and I were just sitting on the back porch of this, of this gorgeous home, drinking tea and eating our dinner, when some people from our church came by on their golf cart. And we kind of, hey, you know, we shouted at them, they shouted back at us, they went and played golf. And the next day, they came up to me at church, said, Pastor. No, I was the youth pastor at that time. And I said, you know, Pastor Greg, that... We had no idea you lived there. <laughs> that is amazing that God has blessed y'all to live in that kind of a home at age 28 years old, you know. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I said, no, 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 I was just invited there for dinner. I live across the street in the parsonage. That's where I live. But, but I felt like the need to give a disclaimer because they thought I had received something. They thought I owned something that, was, that really wasn't mine. Can I tell you, the riches of salvation, if we could ever get a hold of what God has done for us, how He has saved us, redeemed us, restored us, put us on a foundation that is so much greater than anything I could ever afford, I believe we would walk around every single day saying, what I have is not of me, it's all of Jesus. It's all of Him. It's by grace that I've been saved. I'm not who I was. I'm no longer a sinner bound in chains. I'm no, longer, I'm no longer tied to the limitations of this world. But it's not because I've done anything. It's because of who Jesus is. And that's true of you too. 
What we have, we, are, we have been blessed with the enormous riches of heaven. And it's all from Him. What a, what a great exchange God's wanting to make with us. Number two, we can exchange our guilt for Christ's forgiveness. It says, but, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness. A few weeks ago, we talked about how guilt is a legal term. It's a, it's a legal proclamation. When people are guilty, they, it's, it's a legal term. It says they, they have been declared guilty. But Jesus came to declare those of us who were guilty, innocent. We get to trade our guilty verdict for an innocent verdict. But here's what I've discovered. I don't know if you've ever been declared guilty but I have been guilty without someone telling me I was guilty. My daughter's got these shoes, and if you step on them or you bump them together, they light up. Have you seen those shoes? You can, like, see them coming? Yeah, Skechers, thank you. Can I tell you how many times I've been driving down the freeway, and she bumps her feet, and the inside of our light, inside of our car lights up, and I look down, and maybe I'm doing above the speed limit. Sometimes I'm not. But, but when the lights light up my truck, you know what I do? I, I hit the brakes. Whether I'm guilty or innocent in the moment, there's lights going off. I mean, I'm like, we've got to start taking these shoes off before we get in the car. You know, I'm just saying, we, we've all, wouldn't you say we all know what it's like to be guilty, right? The reason I hit the brakes is because if I'm not guilty, then it's not, it's, what, what am I trying to say? Anyway, we'll figure it out later. But Jesus came to take our guilt and forgive us. And too many people, I'm afraid we spend our life trying to do guilt management. If I work hard enough, if I'm nice enough, if I do enough good deeds, or if I just forget about my guilt by taking some type of substance into my body, let me just forget about it. I'll manage my guilt that way or I'll justify it because I'll just find someone else who is guiltier than I am. You know what that's called? Guilt management. But can I tell you, Jesus did not come to offer a guilt management system. He came to offer an exchange for you. The psalmist said, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Hebrews chapter 8 says, I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, that's God's guilt management system. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he'll remove your trespasses from you. Exchange your hurt. Here's the next thing I want to ask you to exchange this morning. Exchange your hurt for healing. I understand that life hurts us. Amen? People hurt us. Churches at times hurt us. You know why churches hurt us? Because they got people in them. And where there's people, there's going to be hurt. Doesn't matter they love each other or not. You can love someone and hurt them. All the married people said, yep. Right? But you can exchange your hurt for healing. 
The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Romans 5, 17, our text says that God's provision and grace, our provision of grace, can be yours. One man, Adam, introduced hurt into the world. But Jesus came to introduce healing. Living for God may not always be easy. Can someone say, yeah, I've discovered that. But did you know living without God is harder? Proverbs says it's the way of the transgressor that's hard. Abundant life may not always be easy, but it's full of the presence of God. It's full of the peace of God. It's full of the joy of God. And you can exchange the hurt and embrace the healing of Jesus. And if you're hurting today... I would challenge you to begin to trust the Lord with your hurt. And last thing I'll say to you this, Megan, if you want to come, is to exchange your being ruled by sin for being empowered by His Spirit. I referred to verse 17 earlier. It says, God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. You know what that verse means? It means that grace will always triumph over sin. In your life, in my life. It says, as, as death reigned through Adam. Let's just take a poll. How many would admit that death has reigned through Adam? You can look at the at humanity at a large almost a 100% success rate death has had. Right? Very few people have escaped this world without death. That's, that's a sign of how effective death is. Matter of fact, many of you have told me in times past, you know, pastor, there's only two things in the world, in the world that's certain. Taxes and death. Why do I bring that up? Because Paul is wanting us to know that there is something more certain than death. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's something more certain than death. Pastor, death has like 100% certainty, doesn't it? There's something more certain than death. What is it? Life through Jesus Christ. Amen? Because if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Jesus told Mary and Martha, if any man is in me, though he were dead, what? He's going to live. Death may have a 100% success rate in this life, but Christ has something that's even more certain. So just as sin, verse number 21, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to challenge you to exchange being ruled by sin, to exchange that for being empowered by the Spirit. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning because I want to pray for us to make that exchange. You know, in our world, if you want to exchange one thing for another it's usually going to cost you something. 
If you want to trade your old car for a new car, you can exchange your old car for a new car. But you've got to cover the difference. If this afternoon you want some newer clothes, you can take your old clothes to the back of Goodwill and then walk around to the front of Goodwill and exchange them for new clothes or newer clothes. But you've got to pay the difference. But can I tell you, Jesus came so that you can exchange your old life for a new life, and He came to pay the difference. It's a free exchange for you this morning. Trade your hurt for His healing. Trade your life that seems lost for a life that is driven by the plan of God. Trade your lack of power for God's abundant power so that just as sin reigned in death, so that His grace may reign through righteousness and bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to pray for you in some specific ways today, and I want to know who I'm praying for today. Prayer number one, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with Jesus. I'm far from God. And maybe for ways you could not explain or articulate if someone asked you specifically, but you know that in this moment, God is drawing you to Himself and you need to surrender your life to Him. You need to start a relationship with Jesus. I would like just to cover you in a prayer in just a moment. If that's you, would you lift your hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Far from God, but I need to... Amen? Amen? Amen. Just a minute, I'm going to pray for you if you lifted your hands. But church, I also want you to know, maybe you, maybe you made the exchange of your powerlessness to save yourself for the grace that comes for salvation, but maybe you stopped there. Have you... Have you, made the, have you continued making exchanges with God? Exchange your hurt for His healing? Listen, don't hang on to your hurt. Let God heal you of it. Don't, don't hang on to your lack of power. Exchange it for the power of God. Today, say, Pastor, there's some things in my life I've been hanging on to, but I need to surrender them to Him. I need to make an exchange. I've been, maybe you try to hang on to them because you felt like you knew better. You feel like you just can't trust God with it or you just don't know what to do with it but today you sent the heart of God challenge you hey trust me with it exchange what is in the hands of God for what's in your hands and let him cover the difference let him cover your life with his grace today say pastor there's something I need to exchange I've been hanging on to I've been trying to do it myself but I need to trust it with Jesus I want to know to pray for you. Lift your hand real quick. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. 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 Sickness, hurt, lack, guilt. Amen. All that and more. I want to pray for you. Father, for that first group of people who lifted their hands saying they were far from you, but more importantly than that, they felt you drawing them to the heart of Jesus, to the heart of God. I'm thankful that they responded to the drawing 
of God's Spirit this morning. We know that no one comes to the Lord of our own ideas. Just the very fact that we would lift a hand and say, I sense that. that. That is evidence, Holy Spirit, that you are working on us. And so we want to respond to that. We respond to that first in a moment of prayer. John 1.10 says, if we confess our sins, I'm sorry, First John says, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from everything that's not right. So I pray for those who lifted their hands saying, hey, I'm far from God. Lord, I pray that they were right now. They would just confess those sins to you. They would just ask you to come in, wipe them clean. And then in the same way that you challenged every disciple, that they would just choose from this day forward, they're going to follow you. And they would go public with that decision. They would tell someone that, hey, starting that Sunday, the 24th of September, I'm following Jesus. Pray they would go public with that confession and they would live it out. And if that's you this morning, do that. Say the prayer, follow Jesus, and tell somebody. Go public with your faith. Secondly, Lord, I just pray for those who lift their hands, saying that there's an exchange that needs to take place, or there's things in their heart, there are things in their hands that they need to place in your hands. There are things that they've hung on to that, for whatever reason, they just haven't made the, they haven't made the trade. Lord, exchange your healing for their hurt. God, exchange what they think is so inadequate for your sufficiency and abundance. Replace their lack with your provision. Help us to continually, daily, make a great exchange with the limited resources of our life to the unlimited, abundant resources that you desire to give to us. That's why you came. You came to make a great exchange in our life. So God, I pray you'll do that today. Father, I pray you'll bless the people. God, I pray you'll bless them, keep them. Let your face shine upon them. Give them peace and joy both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hey, if you, if you are committing your life to Jesus today for the very first time, please stop by the Connect desk. We'd love to put a book in your hand say what to do now for the first 30 days. If you're a first-time guest, I would love to meet you on the front porch. God bless you. Thanks for being part of the service. Have a great day. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.